Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures, as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 2, Episode 1, In My Time of Dying, premiered on September 28th, 2006, directed by Kim Manners and written by Eric Kripke. We are Natural 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 friends. Friends. We've got our pal Greg, we've got our guy Bruce, they've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean, we're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Remember, spoilers ahead. Guys, I did a poll again. Oh, yeah? I did it. What was it? <laughs> Season one, Sam and Dean go for a post-victory ice cream cone. What kind of ice cream does Dean get? Two-way tie. Vanilla and chocolate with 10%. And mint chocolate chip and chocolate chip cookie dough at 40. So, tie between oh. the two. Maybe maybe, maybe uh, Sam gets one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I say uh, chocolate chip cookie dough, for sure. Oh, yeah. This week on Supernatural, Dean is fighting for his life in a coma after one of the few times he let his brother drive. A reaper tries to convince him to die because there's no way for him to come back. But John makes a deal with the yellow-eyed demon, sacrificing himself and the cult for Dean's life. I enjoyed the opening scene a lot. The previously on or the opening? The previously on was fantastic. It kicked butt. We got real music. <laughs> we yes. got the, the right music, and I could instantly tell once <laughs> that was going on. I was like, "Oh, this is this fits. This I understand now." <laughs> Whenever it went to the um, aftermath of the car crash and um, Bad Moon Rising was playing, mm-hmm. we're in the clear. Like, okay, here we are. We made it. <laughs> I loved Sam's just desperate attempt to scare away this demon. By threatening him with the cult. That was pretty good. That was, was good nice bluff. bluff. It was, yeah. Well, Do you th- maybe well, it wasn't a bluff. I, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Would he have done it? For, for the immediate protection of the family. Yeah. I think he would have. Yeah. Because I was thinking like if he didn't like say the demon's coming after them and he doesn't shoot them like they're dead anyway. So what's the point of saving the bullet? So yeah, I was ready for him to do it. <laughs> I was pretty proud of myself for my prediction. No, Bruce, it doesn't count. <laughs> what? I it's missed it. He predicted that enough. dad would be in a coma. I knew he was going <laughs> to try to pull this. Um, although, whenever you made that prediction, I was very proud of you uh, for at least guessing that someone would be in a coma. Yeah. So, partial nice job. I'll take it. <laughs> so, we're in the hospital and Dean steps out of his bed. Uh, Bruce, what were you thinking during the scene where Dean's walking around trying to find someone? Well, initially, I thought it was like a Walking Dead scenario, like when he's waking up and everyone's gone. So I was like, oh, something supernatural happened where he's the only one left in the hospital. Um, But then when he walked down, he was talking to the receptionist and she wasn't answering him. And I was like, okay, there there it is. He's, He's just he's either dead or he's, you know, on his way to dying. I was leaning towards the first one, but they clarified it eventually. Yeah, he went right back and saw that he was having a little out-of-body experience. 
when he first got out. And I'm starting to remember episodes, by the way. So I did remember most of this one. Um, when he first got out of bed and wa- wandered the hall, I was like, what kind of hospital is this? Um, where a patient can just up and leave with no one noticing. Um, where at the very least, he should be hooked up to monitors. But he was. It was just his ghostly form. So that's good. <laughs> Um, right after that, we find out that dad is also alive. So no one died in the car crash, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, but we do find out from the doctor that Dean has a cerebral edema. What's that? So that is when uh, you have fluid around your brain causing an increase in intracranial pressure between your skull and your brain. Oh, just drill a hole. Dad's talking to Sam about everything that's going on and um, tells him that Bobby's taking care of the car where the Colt is in the trunk of the car. And that he has to go hang out with Bobby. <laughs> so, guys, my wife and I were listening to this, uh, our previous, our finale episode. <laughs> and uh, she goes, uh, I forget I forget what the, the question was. But she definitely asked, like, uh, something about Bobby. And I was like, we don't know if Bobby's coming back yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a hard time reading listening to our episodes together <laughs> yeah and you definitely predicted that he was one and done we'd never see him again <laughs> it must be a curse now like i'm like oh we'll never see him again nope it'll just be here forever <laughs> yeah because you uh-huh. haven't said that about someone that we haven't seen again like you didn't yeah. instantly with missouri be like nope never seeing her again you actually hope that we did <laughs> and we did not so speaking of missouri bruce it's time to uh to give you the news you originally hoped that Missouri would be our friend along the way. Um, and that was actually originally the plan. We were supposed to see more of Missouri in the series. But um, due to, I think, Grey's Anatomy, she couldn't do it. So that's when they made Bobby. Darn you, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad. But don't be sad. Because we get Bobby. Bobby's pretty cool. Um. Can I make, can I admit something to you guys? Yes. Something that I specifically remember. First off, RIP Impala. But Bobby. Not RIP. <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> if there's one part that's working, that's enough. For this super on the nose analogy. Um, Bobby, <laughs> even after Sam explained, Bobby's going to tow the Impala, blah, 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 blah. Bobby, in in the next scene, when Sam's with Bobby, Bobby says, this car ain't worth a tow. And I literally thought it was some really weird redneck saying, I'm like, this thing ain't worth a tow, like T-O-E. <laughs> and I thought that for years until I watched it with subtitles, even after Sam specified that t- Bobby was towing the car. <laughs> Oh man, this thing ain't worth a toe. It's like, I, I haven't heard that oh one, God. but it sounded so natural, so it must be a thing. I'm gonna start saying that. <laughs> yep, that's the thing now. Thanks, Greg. Yep. Back at the hospital, we get um, what I thought was a really great scene of Dean yelling at John about him just being a horrible father because he hasn't called anyone. He doesn't seem like he's doing anything, and Dean has this opportunity just kind of secretly let out all of his rage that is built up without any consequence so we got to see, finally see this emotional side of dean and his thoughts about their father yeah that's heartbreaking 
later, <laughs> like when you think back on mm-hmm. this scene, it's like, oh no. Sam's performance during this, even though it was kind of like a side conversation, like we were really supposed to be focused on Dean at that point, but Sam's even uh, acting during that um, was really good. Um, the the go to hell was awesome. Like it just oh, it was yeah. very powerful. And I, I think that helped with the the vase, I think that broke. Um, I think it was a glass of water. Okay, it's just the the whole whole climax of that was just really fun and awesome to to watch. Yeah, that was just an incredible scene. They all nailed it. Dean got a little glitchy, he did like a real ghost, and then um, he goes to find his body, and that there's something floating above it. Grabs it and pulls it away from his body, and that's when I realized that Dean is Danny Phantom. <laughs> Back in my brain, I cannot remember the theme song to that. I just remember it says Danny Phantom. Yeah, that's, that's all I can remember. <laughs> but after that, Dean leaves his room and finds a ghost lady named Tessa. And they both fortunately happen to die in white, which should have been Dean's first indication something's wrong. Like, hey, you just happen to die in white too? <laughs> to look all angelic? <laughs> Dying white sounds like some weird idiom that I just haven't heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not worth a toe. <laughs> Bruce, when you first met Tessa, did you uh, think anything was off about her? No, I I thought it was just the, this world that we were creating. Like, oh, everyone goes to this special place in between death and life. Um, I didn't catch up on it, or I didn't. Uh, realize what was happening at all. I didn't think anything was off at all. So after Dean meets Tessa, they go back to her body um, and she starts to understand what's actually happening. And um, Dean tells her that she's having an out-of-body experience or what's also called bilocation. Hey, do you guys want to hear about out-of-body experiences? That'd be cool. All right, so I have an article from Medical News Today called Out-of-Body Experiences, Neuroscience or the Paranormal. Reports of -of out-of-body experiences vary. Some consist of little more than a fleeting feeling that body and mind have come loose, while others recount tales of floating far from the person's physical body and traveling to otherworldly planes. Either way, out-of-body experiences have fascinated humanity for centuries, entering folklore, spiritual belief, and mythology. And this article lists out the different types of body experiences, such as in a person's sleep, while exerting physical effort, or I think maybe possibly the most common is near-death experiences. Perhaps the most controversial aspect of -of out-of-body experiences is veridical perception, which is the claim that during an out-of-body experience, the viewer is able to literally float out of their body and witness something or someone they could not have otherwise seen. And the point here being, you couldn't see it from the bed. Because I know that definition just sounds like out-of-body experience, but the, the point is, you're looking at yourself, you're looking at the scene, and seeing things that you would not see if you were just laying there. And they give the example of Pam Reynolds, who was a brain surgery patient who underwent a highly invasive operation to remove her brain tumor. Following the surgery, Reynolds was able to describe aspects of the procedure that had happened at a time when she was clinically dead. She claimed to have surveyed the scene during an out-of-body experience. And she has her own Wikipedia page. Um, So she makes a bunch of different claims about that time. 
to include her out-of-body experience, seeing what was happening while she was legally dead, but also reports of heading towards the light and seeing deceased relatives, and even saying that her uncle is the one who brought her back to her body and pushed her into her body. I'm pretty skeptical of anything medical related because I think we have so much television drama to draw from that if we had any sort of experience in a hospital where we're like kind of out of it, not necessarily legally dead, but like where we're passing out or coming to, our brain could fill in the blanks just from everything we've seen on TV. However, in 1968, Dr. Charles Tart, professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, studied an anonymous woman named Miss Z who could supposedly leave her body at will. The study consisted of placing a random number on a shelf above the bed in which the woman slept. The woman was tasked with self-inducing an out-of-body experience, checking the number and then reporting the number to Dr. Tart and his team upon her awakening. The number was chosen after she had already gone to sleep. Dr. Tart remained in the room to ensure that she did not get up and check the number. And she woke up from her sleep and correctly stated the number on the shelf was five. That's all I read on that. Maybe there's more information to say that she repeated this because that's pretty impressive say, once. Did anyone try <laughs> but, to debunk it or anything? Um, probably, but that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> so while Dean was flatlining and fighting off the Reaper, um, Sam thought that he heard and felt Dean in the room, which he tells his dad about and doesn't get a whole lot of response from him. But, um, Sam decides to follow up on that by um, going to make a little purchase. And Greg, I know you called it a Ouija board earlier. I knew you were going to correct this. <laughs> let's be let's be correct here. Um, Sam went out and purchased a mystical talking board. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they couldn't couldn't use Ouija board TM. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't land that trademark. Always like, please don't make fun of me for this. <laughs> yeah. And he totally did. Oh, yeah. But, but what else is he supposed to do? Yeah, it was good. And they did a good job of hurrying things along. So when he, he spelled out the word hunt and instead of continuing to spell out hunting or whatever, it's like Sam guessed. And then Dean said, yes, like that was that was smart. And they, they continued doing that. Also, I have to say, good directing. I don't know if you notice when the camera goes around i think it does more than a full 360 and it starts with dean there and then dean's gone and then yeah. dean's back there all in one take it's really cool yeah that was a really nice job and through that dean communicates to sam that he's trying to hunt a reaper that's in the hospital and they find out that it's there naturally and there's nothing that they could probably really do about it but sam says dad will know what to do and goes to get their father, who has disappeared, like typical John Winchester. <laughs> I wrote, John is literally the worst. And I later felt bad about this note. <laughs> <laughs> He's still pretty bad. He doesn't communicate, but... <laughs> so back to the uh, the mystical talking board, is that what we're yep. calling it? <laughs> yep. Um, have you guys ever actually used one, like, for to pretend even... Yeah, <laughs> sure have. 
<laughs> so as I was watching this, I was like, oh, yeah, one time I did that. And like it was like weird. And like I it was with an ex-girlfriend and her mom were, were there. And I remember it being like, oh, this is weird. Why is this working? And like no one ever said like, oh, I'm just messing around with you. And I'm like here, like, what would this be? 15, 20 years later. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, they were messing. <laughs> it's probably like middle school. And I was like, oh, this is this, I think there's something something with this. No, I, I, I think the mom was just messing with me. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut to John Winchester walking into a boiler room in the hospital and it's labeled as a biohazard. Oh, weird. Hmm. Is that normal? It's a dead end room, right? It doesn't like lead to the morgue or anything. I mean, it just said boiler room on the door, but then on the other side of the door, it said biohazard. That's weird. So old hospitals creep me out a little bit. So I'm going to theorize that it used to be a biohazard, but throughout the years it was updated and became Ooh, a boiler I like room. <laughs> I feel like that's a sign you should take down. <laughs> Also, I also don't think rooms are updated to be boiler rooms. <laughs> right. I'm just making up. <laughs> no, they're like, oh, we need that boiler room now. So we've got to yeah, use They this. downdated it. Right. <laughs> and then we cut back to the brothers and they are looking through dad's new journal. Oh, is it new? Like that's their dad's current journal that he's been using while the boys have had his old journal. Oh. Yes. I don't know. I, I honestly... <laughs> I mean, that would make more sense. But they're checking out that journal and the Reaper section there. And Dean catches on to what's happening with Tessa. Did you guys pause it on the journal? I tried to, yeah. Yeah, it makes you but, feel like you're having a stroke when you try to yeah. read it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't understand any of it. What kind of stuff? Was it just random, like, gibberish? or No, it wasn't gibberish at all, but... It would be like half a sentence and then a word you can't read and then another half sentence that you cannot comprehend how it would connect to the other half of the sentence. Yeah, and there's a lot of like proper nouns that I've never, never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> but Dean could read it. And from the journal, Dean learned that Reapers can alter human perception. And confronts Tessa with that news. So Bruce, you said you didn't see this coming at all. No, not at all. And I didn't even understand it until he got into the room and they started having that conversation. What did you think about it? Um, it, it was neat. I like it was a nice turn because like he brought up a good point where she was just like, oh, yeah, well, that's just fate. You know, sometimes you die. Like, it's, <laughs> it's a good point. Like, there should be more freaking out than just. <laughs> I enjoyed the uh, the dilemma that he has here where he has to decide whether he's going to uh, stay in that, I guess, realm or if you want to call it. Um, or move on and possibly become a, a, a violent spirit. It's really neat for his character to delve into that and question that, because if I was in that scenario currently, I'd be like, all right, peace. Sorry, uh, wife and baby, I'm out. But I'm also <laughs> not, I don't believe that you're going to die as a result of me not being there. And then for Dean, it's like, well, if there's a sliver of a chance I can fix this scenario, I might stay behind. And I, I thought that was a really cool, uh, like, highlight of his character. There's something that I hope will come out of the scene, but I have a very strong feeling that it won't, um, is that this moment could really humanize spirits for Dean. 
now going through um, something that essentially they all went through. Um, and you would think it would give him some more understanding, but I doubt it'll really ever come up again. Just knowing what we've seen from the show. Yeah, because I mean, the way they're explaining is that literally anyone could, you know, be kind of stuck and then become violent. They, they don't always start off as, you know, axe murderers and then, you know, stay in the or, afterlife. Uh, child murderers. <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought that was actually neat, though, uh, how it kind of expanded on the lore of the show. Just like you were saying, Casey, with Vengeful Spirits. Um like you said, they're probably not going to explore it. And even if they did, it'll it would be like, well, they still need killing. <laughs> like, like, uh, sorry about your traumatic past, but you you gotta stop killing people, so we're gonna kill you. But it, it was it was really neat that how they expanded the lore that way. So back with John in the biohazard boiler room, uh, we get to see how summoning a demon works. And he successfully summons the yellow-eyed demon. The man just cut cut his hand open, by the way. That was just... Uh. <laughs> Bruce, when you saw that guy show up in the boiler room, did you, did you have any thoughts? Maybe like... Hey, who is that? That's right. It's our weekly segment where we take a look at some of the guest stars featured on this week's episode of Supernatural. Uh, let's start with our empathetic Reaper lady. Tessa. Hey! No, not yet. <laughs> Wait. Uh, Tessa, <laughs> Tessa was played by Lindsay McKeon. Hey, I messed it up last time, but hey, who is that? So you might recognize Lindsay from playing Libby Harper on Boy Meets World. Maybe Katie, Katie Peterson on Saved by the Bell, the new class. She's been on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Veronica Mars, House, and also had a little stint on One Tree Hill. For her. And now we'll talk about the newest host for the Yellow Eyed Demon, played by Frederick Lane. Hey, who's that? So, my mom would probably recognize Frederick Lane as he has been <laughs> on all of her favorite shows, including Dallas, Matlock, Diagnosis Murder, Murder She Wrote, NYPD Blue, and ER. Columbo? No? No Columbo. <laughs> okay. Oh, also. Uh, my mom might, might know him from Touched by an Angel, Jag. You guys might know him from <laughs> Men in Black, The X-Files, Firefly, Daybreak, Malcolm in the Middle, The Mentalist, Lost, American Horror Story, or possibly Westworld. I'm so glad Daybreak has already had two mentions on this show. It makes me so happy. <laughs> Thank you, Tay Diggs. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on... Hey! Who is that? Yellow-eyed demon. Scared the hell out of me. I mean, it was purposeful. Nice jump scare. And then you get a second to be like, oh, it's just some guy. Oh, but wait, John's not that stupid. (laughs) But I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then he reveals his great yellow eyes. And fun fact, apparently these yellow contacts are impossible to see through. And I was wondering. both him and Lindsay, who played Tessa, um, had a really hard time using these contacts. And um, they had to use sandbags on the floor to mark locations <laughs> for where um, Frederick <laughs> should stop and hit his mark. And wow. also, 
whenever Tessa was possessed by the yellow-eyed demon and she has to touch Dean's head. They said it took about nine takes for her to actually get <laughs> on his head. I would love to see that footage of the bloopers. Um, supposedly there's an outtake where she completely misses and Jensen just grabs her hand and puts it on his forehead. <laughs> cool. And then we find out that John summoned the demon with the intention of trading the cult for Dean's life. He had the gun. And I was like, why isn't he shooting? This could just be over right now. Because then Dean will die. But like, we didn't know he was going to die. I was pretty sure. (laughs) I think, especially talking about this episode after and, and rethinking things, I think John suspected Dean was in his state, even without Sam and Dean confirming it if that makes sense. And that uh, he would have to battle it out with a Reaper. And John also knew there was no way out of that scenario. And that's why he he left to make this deal without even consulting Sam. Yeah, and I mean, the doctor just straight up told them that no one ever lives with these injuries and most people would have died by now. So I'm sure he felt very confident that Dean was toast. John ends up giving Yellow Eyes more than he originally wanted to and trades his own life for Dean's. Bruce, whenever Yellow Eyes said that he wanted more, did you know what he was talking about? Yeah, because like, I mean, unless they're going to bring something completely into this episode that we've never heard of, it was like, okay, he he wants him because he's, he's, he's the biggest threat to him at this point. So it makes sense. (laughs) When I watched this, I remembered most of it. And I knew that Yellow Eyes wanted John to die. And I was trying to remember, like, how does he die? And I was like, this show is not dark enough for Yellow Eyes to make John use the cult on himself, which would be really metal and cool. But, and so the entire time, I was like, how does he die? And then at the end, it's like, oh, of course, he just makes him die. Like, that's easy. What? I mean, it was. The Reaper, right? Oh, even... Oh, see, I didn't even put that together. Yeah. At, after possessing the Reaper. Yeah, because we found out in Faith that um, whenever a Reaper heals someone, it kills someone else. Whoa. I don't know. What do you mean you don't... That's exactly what happened. That's why <laughs> that's he just was dropped in, dead on the floor. But that's what happened in Faith simultaneously. This happened after, like, he he... He met with Dean, had a 10-minute conversation with Dean. I don't think it's the same thing. See, now, this is sort of going in more into my theory, too. Like, uh, my predictions in the future. Um, I'm going to mention something about that fact that I don't think it's just him dying, either. Like, I think there's going to be some sort of, like, soul um, owning of some sort. Um, so I think Greg's theory on that might be a little bit more along mine at that point, because like, it's just him taking it. It's not him just, it's not him physically dying. It's him just taking that away from him. Okay. So during the scene with yellow eyes, uh, we find out some valuable information that John knows what's up with all these children. Oh yeah. That's crazy. And then, yeah, we find out that reapers can be possessed which was cool. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder if demons can possess other monsters and if we'll also see that in the future. I liked how this 
the Reapers here were like, they're not really a monster when you think about it. They're a very neutral entity. And I like that a lot where it's just like, no, this is just, this is just what happens. And I, I enjoy that a lot. Yeah. They're definitely part, they're presented as part of the natural order, which can't, is not supposed to be disturbed, but here we are. Second time that they've used a Reaper to keep <laughs> Dean alive. So we'll see what happens. And then John Winchester gets to spend his final moments telling Dean how proud he is of him. <laughs> so once again, just like in the season finale, this time it was um, even if John was always so emotional and nice, the way he was talking, it clearly felt like, are you saying like, what's wrong? What's happening? Are you saying goodbye? What's what's but it's still really funny when you break down some of the lines and it's just like. Can we not fight? Uh-oh, dad, are you OK? <laughs> like, like <laughs> you're trying to be nice. Is something wrong? <laughs> uh, what did Dean say? Um, this really you talking? Is this really you talking? Yeah. When, yeah, that was literally I'm proud of you. Is this really you talking? <laughs> uh, and then at the end of the conversation, John le- leans over and whisper, whisper, whisper into Dean's ear. Because he didn't want the audience to hear, you know. Right. Or <laughs> alone in that room. Yes. Or yellow eyes. Oh, that's probably it. Or yellow eyes. Because I guess we're calling him that now and not father. I presume you were the only one who ever called him father. <laughs> you and Meg. <laughs> Man, you, you threw some attitude on that. <laughs> JDM, phenomenal actor in this that scene. tear going down his face? That tear. I was just staring at his mouth the whole time because he had that impossible to act, but somehow he perfected the act of the involuntarily ma- in, involuntary mouth movements of someone who's about to cry. It was so good. He's amazing. You know, it's just two episodes in a row that we've lost a recurring character. Shout outs again. Jeffrey Dean Morgan killed it the whole season, season one, and nailed it this episode. What a performance. And then he moved on to Grey's Anatomy, where he also died too soon. (laughs) Spoilers for that show, too, I guess. (laughs) During one of their conversations... Sam's talking about how he thinks that Dean is around somewhere and he says something along the lines of, uh, yeah, anything can happen. <laughs> and I'm so glad they've, they've acknowledged that. Like, <laughs> like we live in a pretty weird world where like we don't have to be skeptical, skeptical that much. You, you I, I, I tried it. <laughs> skeptical. There, there you go. <laughs> Skeptical. Reviews? Reviews. You guys want to guess? Eight. I don't know. I got some weird vibes from you. I'm going to say seven. I give this episode 10 world's greatest deaths out of 10. (laughs) Guys, I was so stoked. (laughs) 10 out of 10. So if you'll remember, Season one, episode one was a nine out of 10, I believe. And it was specifically just like you do with any reviews. Like, well, I don't know where we're going. And after watching a whole season of Supernatural, I I got an idea of like, what is a perfect episode of Supernatural? This was it. It had 
a monster of the week mystery that even with using reusing a monster it was completely different than the last time they had a reaper episode it's a fun mystery with a twist and um they they managed to mix they managed to mix the main story arc in without feeling like it was too much for the episode and it mixed in seamlessly because the solution of the monster of the week mystery was tied to the story arc and finally we get a stellar performance from JDM uh, who plays the dad I want to like but kind of hate but then oh wait he just sacrificed himself for his son wow what a great dad so 10 world's greatest dads out of 10 very freaking cool all right it's uh guess it's all downhill from here <laughs> um, I, <don't, laughs> I can't top that um <laughs> I uh, I'll give this nine out of ten. Pretty lady reapers. Um, <laughs> I, everything you said. I mean, this was a great episode starting out. Um, we had uh, continuity from the last season, which is always nice. Like it it, it creates a great story. Um, Dean with his quips always keep it lighthearted, even in the most. Uh, you know, serious parts. Um, the concept was fun, just in general, of uh, his, I guess, his spirit just running around the hallways of a, a hospital. Um, yeah, a lot of heartfelt moments, like you said, the tear. Um, I didn't cry, but I did get a little <laughs> misty-eyed towards the end. Um, just a very beautiful episode. Not a 10. I could have used this a little bit more, um, maybe action, uh, just to kind of... But uh, didn't it, it didn't need it. So nine out of ten pretty lady reapers. You can just like copy and paste both of your reviews directly into mine. Um, I gave this one a nine and a half out of ten. It's missing one thing for me. And that's just the brothers getting to be brothers. They spend most of the episode separated by life and death. So you don't really get those moments of Jared and Jensen really getting to interact and play off that great chemistry they have together near perfect episode that has all the great elements of what makes up a supernatural episode. Nine and a half world's greatest dads out of 10. Next week on Supernatural, we're watching season two, episode two, Everybody Loves a Clown. After listening to a message on John's cell phone from a woman named Ellen, Sam and Dean decide to track her down. Are we going to have killer clowns? Is that what's going to happen next week? <laughs> I mean, you're the prediction, man. <laughs> so we're going to have killer clowns, apparently. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the end of this episode definitely sets us up for the rest of the season. Like I said earlier, I think Dad has not only given his life, um, but gave his soul to yellow-eyed demon. You can call him um, It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but not without giving Dean a clue to get him back. Um, so I think uh, a big motivator throughout this season is dad whispered something into Dean's ear. It's probably very vague and probably very like they have to figure out what it means. Um, but we're going to use that to drive us throughout the season to get dad back if we can. Greg, do you remember what he whispered to him? No. No? Okay. I shouldn't make predictions because I have seen these, but since I don't remember, it's <laughs> got to be more than just 
hey, I made this deal, like, because we as the audience know that. So it's it's got to be some key piece of information more than just, hey, I'm going to go die in the next room in about five <laughs> seconds. So I'm excited. So it's Dean's turn to have a secret. Bruce, how long do you think it'll take Dean to tell Sam whatever their dad whispered? You know what? In the past, I've been like, oh, mid-season. It's going to take that long. <laughs> but it, they seem to tell their secrets pretty quickly because they end up arguing and it comes out. Um, so <laughs> episode four. I like that. Do you have any predictions on why it was kept from Sam? Uh, definitely has something to do with the um, him being part of the children army okay. that we're creating, apparently. I hope Bobby is a regular. I'd be really excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do you hope or are you going to predict? I'm I'm getting you out of these weasel words. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Bobby will definitely be back. We have to go get the car at some point. <laughs> So for any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at naturalfriendspodcast. Thank you to our fans and our wives for continuous support. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thank you for joining us. We are Natural, Natural, Natural Friends. friends. It what? It glue in the dark? It glowed in the dark? Glue. Glue. Oh my god. Can we pull that out? No. Glue. Wow.